Be seated. First <laughs> Samuel chapter 26. In chapter 25 of First Samuel, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the scoundrel, and you realize that had to be an arranged marriage. Uh, her being wise and beautiful and so forth, you you can't understand why. She would choose a guy like Nabal, but it was probably arranged. But Abigail is known as a virtuous woman. She's known for her beauty and her wisdom. David is so taken by the beauty of Abigail that he takes her as a wife after God struck Nabal with a severe heart attack and he died. God was David's avenger. David, as you know, the story was on his way to uh, destroy Nabal and his male servants when he encounters Abigail. David and Abigail have a son named Chileab. And Abigail didn't have any children, apparently, with Nabal. And Abigail... Her wise and godly character turns into the fact that she's one of the great women of the Bible. She gives David wise counsel, and she prevents David, with her counsel, from committing bloodshed upon Nabal, her husband, and his servants. And what little we know about Abigail is demonstrated in her brief encounter with David as David is intent upon uh, bloodshed of Nabal's uh, servants and upon Nabal himself. But Abigail convinces David to allow God to be his vindicator. Don't get caught up into vengeance, David. And David recognizes this, and he's grateful to Abigail for her good, sound advice to him. So David marries her. You know, hey, that's enough. (laughs) I think I'll take that woman as a wife. And then we come to chapter 26 of 1 Samuel. And we find King Saul, once again, he's in hot pursuit of David. Just a few weeks earlier, Saul, in his previous encounter with David in chapter 24, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself, and it was cooler in these caves, and it's in a very hot desert area. And so Saul takes a little nap, and he takes a nap in the very cave that David and his men are hiding in. Saul falls asleep. David's men want David, or themselves even, to kill Saul. And they say things like, David, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. But David, he sees it differently. He will not harm King Saul. For King Saul, in David's eyes, is the anointed one. 
So David's men actually misquote or misinterpret scripture that God has delivered Saul into David's hands. But David won't do anything about it. He will not raise his hand against Saul. But he does cut off a corner of Saul's garment. And just the cutting of this corner off of Saul's garment causes David's heart to trouble him. He didn't harm Saul, but he did raise his hand against Saul. And sometimes in that culture you were known by your garments that you wore. And David has defaced Saul's garment and his heart troubled him, showing us the sensitivity of David's heart. Have you ever been insensitive towards someone else? On a regular basis. My mother was a good, godly woman. But as I was coming into my own theology, you might say, spiritually speaking, we were at odds with one another for several years. I saw a lot of hypocrisy in my mother. She saw a son who was very rebellious towards her belief system and against what was her Pentecostal roots. Our differences of Christian doctrine became more and more apparent. We were more and more apart. And I found myself constantly trying to correct my mother on her belief and, you know, and what I saw as being of the flesh and not of of the spirit. Until finally one day my heart troubled me. God had got my attention. And I felt God was asking me, why don't you try and love your mother instead of correcting her? And it was sort of profound in my life. We can, at times, be so interested in people sharing our view of how everything should be, but we can be totally wrong in the way we demonstrate a correction, you might say. My conviction became so troubling to me about my mom I had to go to my mom and ask her to forgive me. Forgive me for trying to be her instructor. Forgive me for trying to tell her how to appreciate God the way I do. And it was revolutionary in our relationship. My mother forgave me. But it was important that I ask her to forgive me. I can remember my mom when I was a teenager and even younger waking up to hearing my mother crying out my name before God in prayer. What a heritage. In my mother's prayers, I'm convinced, was very important in my life being a man of God. And I think it had an effect on my brothers 
and sister also. And I can look back on those prayers that my mom offered up for us kids. And what a blessing it was to have a mother who would pray for you in such a way. And call out your name before God. Now she wouldn't always call out my name before God in a way I appreciated. She would say things, Lord, don't let him get away with sin. Let him let his sins find him out. Oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> you know. But I could see my mother's flaws. But when God gave me a tender heart, I could see my flaws. David had a heart that troubled him when he could have killed Saul and all he did was cut off a corner of Saul's robe. But let's read chapter 26 of 1 Samuel where we see King Saul once again take up his pursuit of David to kill him. 1 Samuel 26. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hills of Hakalah, opposite Jezmon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness. And David, or excuse me, and Saul encamped in the hills of Hakalah, which is opposite of Jezmon, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness. And he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech, rather, the Hittite, and Abishai, the son of Zuriah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to, to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with the spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and his people lay all around him. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hands this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw or knew it or awoke. For they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called to, out to the people 
and unto Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord the king. The thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord uh, thus pursue his servant? For what have I done, or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please, let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is children of men, may they be cursed before the lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of my lord, saying, Go serve other gods. So now... Do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. This is the second time the people of Ziph have ratted out David. <laughs> They've told Saul where David is hiding. When Saul hears where David is in the wilderness and where he's hiding, he takes 3,000 uh, chosen troops to seek David out there in the wilderness. And you have to ask yourself, why are the people of Ziv so quick to turn against David? And the only conclusion I can come up with is they're doing it to receive a reward. They want to please King Saul. After all, he is king. Saul has let it be known that he will take care of those who befriend him. He will give them vineyards, farms. He'll give them tax breaks. Uh, he will give them positions in his military. The Ziphites are seeking to enrich themselves by turning against David 
at the expense of David. I don't think they necessarily believe Saul is worthy of their support, but if we can benefit by turning against David, we're going to do that. King Saul, he is the one with power. He's the one with money. And he has an army. He has 3,000 chosen warriors there with him that are dedicated to him. So there's a fear factor involved there also. And this fear motivates the Ziphites to turn against David. King Saul has a history. He has a past. Uh, even the priests of God were not safe with Saul being their king. We remember Doeg. Doeg, the uh, descendant of Esau, he killed 85 priests at Nob when Saul gave him the order to kill him. David is not ignorant of Saul's hatred towards him. He's not ignorant that Saul's out to kill him. And Saul has confessed that David is destined to be Israel's next king. But Saul still hunts David, still wanting to kill him. And through all of Saul's vindictive behavior towards David, David realizes Saul wants to kill him. David convinced Jonathan, Saul's son, that his dad was out to kill him. And they went through this whole uh, uh, arrow shooting in, out in the wilderness and things, and they realized, both of them realized, that Saul's intent was to kill David. Just a few weeks earlier, David has cut off the corner of Saul's robe, but Saul had something to say about that. He said, David, you're more righteous than I am. And in chapter 24, uh, there's verses 17 through 20. David, this is Saul's confession. David, you rewarded me with good, and I rewarded you with evil. <coughs> the Lord delivered me into your hand, and you did not kill me, David. And now I know, now I realize you will be king one day in Israel. Saul, then he goes home. But David, not trusting Saul, he remained in the wilderness. But here we are again. Saul has been convinced, perhaps by the evil spirit that possessed him, to again pursue David. David sends out spies. He finds out where Saul is camped out. And once again, David is given an opportunity to kill his mortal enemy, Saul. David, with great courage, sneaks into Saul's camp with Abishai, where Saul is fast asleep. He's got his bodyguards around him. And Saul's spear is stuck in the ground near Saul's head. 
David is a warrior. David is a man familiar with battle. In uh, verse 8 of chapter 20, I believe it's 25, Abishai begs David, you know, don't kill my husband. Don't kill his uh, servants. And David's on his way to kill them. But here we are. That was Abigail. No, I said Abishai. But here we are, and Abishai sees an opportunity to kill Saul with his own spear. And he says, David, if you'll let me kill him, I'll do it in one stroke. I won't, I won't need several efforts to do this. I won't need a second opportunity. I will pin him to the ground with his own spear and kill him. But David will not allow Abishai to destroy Saul. And he says, as the Lord lives, Abishai, God himself will strike Saul. And God forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Such loyalty by David to a man who wants to kill him. But David takes Saul's spear and takes a jug of water that's there by him. And they sneak away and get a far distance away from Saul. And they're allowed to do this because God had caused a deep sleep to come upon all those that were guarding Saul and their valiant warriors. And if Saul awakes with David right there in his camp, David's a dead man. He's dead if anybody wakes up and sees him there. But when he's a safe distance away from Saul and all his bodyguards, David then taunts Abner. Abner is the general. He's, his main job was to watch over Saul. And, and David cries out to Abner, You deserve to die, for you have not protected the king. Do you answer me, Abner? Why have you not guarded the king? God caused him to be asleep. <laughs> that's why you failed, Abner, and you deserve to die. And that's David taunting Saul's chief general. And he says, by the way, Abner, I have the king's spear in my hand and his water jug that were next to his head. I have that too. And then Saul speaks up. And it's the same old story by Saul. Is that you, my son? Do I recognize your voice, David? And he says, David, I have sinned. I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. David says, send over one of your young men and I, I will give you back your spear, Saul. But know this, Saul. I valued your life as God's anointed. I recognized you were anointed by God to be king. And I would not harm you. And may God value my life 
in the way that I valued your life, Saul. And then Saul blesses David. He recognizes David once again has spared him. And he says, you shall do great things and you will prevail, David. And Saul returned to his place and David went on his way. David, a warrior, a valiant warrior, will not harm Saul when given the opportunity to destroy him. No one would have found fault with David if he killed Saul, but yet he will not raise his hand against him. This is the same David that Abigail had to convince, don't kill my husband, even though he's a scoundrel, don't kill him. And Abigail kept David back from bloodshed. But with Saul, David shows tremendous restraint. Life would have got better for David if Saul was dead. He wouldn't have to live out in the wilderness. He wouldn't have to flee and run from him. So David shows great restraint simply because Samuel anointed Saul as king of Israel. And David is not willing to harm Saul, who constantly tries to kill him. What do we do with our enemies? What do we do with those we disagree with? Understand, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But we battle against powers and principalities. David chose his battles very carefully. May we learn from David to have a heart it's after God to respect God's anointing. Amen? Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.